Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Let's go places. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you have downloaded All Ball. All basketball, all the time. I know there's no NCAA tournament, so today is a Friday. We should be recapping all the games. I should be breaking down all the matchups. You should be following me on Twitter, and I should be winning you money. But I can't. Sorry. My bad. My bad. So here's what I want to do. Um, for as much time as I can do it, which is keep giving me pods of conversations with my basketball friends, their thoughts in the tournament, my memories in the tournament. Uh, you know, we'll bounce around in years and things that we remember and, and all kinds of events. It, it really is as cool <laughs> as you think it is, but the, the memories are unique and distinct. Like I, I remember obviously tons of memories as a kid going to NCAA tournament games, um, watching the Final Four in person, going to the practices. Heck, me and my buddies, we used to we used to wait until the end of the weekend and we'd won, buy the T-shirts from the losing team in the semifinals, right? Like I remember Cincinnati lost in Minnesota. It was coached by Bob Huggins. You remember that team? Yeah, Nick Van Exel, sweet team. Well, you if you waited till Championship Monday and they lost on a Saturday, you could get a Cincinnati Bearcat Final Four T-shirt for a couple of bucks. I used to sell tickets to the Final Four. You get my dad would give me one seat that he'd get from the NABC, maybe a second seat. Flip those into a 
There's like a, a 100 seat, flip those to a 200 seat and get some money to a 300 seat, get some money to a you know 400 seat, get some money, get the worst seat in the house. And then, you know, split the money with my dad because it was his ticket originally and then buy a ticket wherever and walk down and sit down low. Like that's what we, that was my childhood. And then on Monday, if we were staying till Tuesday, we'd steal some of the banners, you know, the final four in Minneapolis, the final four in Indianapolis. And yeah, I'm going to sell you out, Clay McKnight, you, me, some of my other buddies, Nick Marudso's. That was more high school. Um, I think I only did it a couple of times. They would shimmy up light poles and risk death. I would simply like, you know, something was sitting outside of a bar and they were getting ready to cut it down. Like, hey, can I get that sign? Take it home with me. I don't even know where those signs are. And it wasn't like a rush. It was just kind of cool that somebody was going to throw out a sign that was signifying the final four we'd been to. And all we had was T-shirts from... Or we'd, we'd also wait around the convention floor and when the champion guys would be wrapping up shop, like, hey, can I get that Illinois jersey? Sure, you know. Um, and we'd just hang out there all day. So not having the tournament, not having the Final Four, and this is a place I've taken my son twice to, won't get a chance. I'm bummed. So we'll, we'll include you on conversations and things that we've experienced, I've experienced. I'll, I'll give you one such experience. 1998 was my first tournament as a player is in Lexington, Kentucky. We played George Washington. Shante Rogers was their star point guard. They had a bunch of Russians. Mike Jarvis was their head coach. Played in Lexington. Obviously coach Sutton was not beloved, was not beloved in Lexington, but my, I, I do this thing with my ment- my brain. I don't have a photographic memory. Matter of fact, Almost no one has a photographic memory. There's a lot of people who think they have photographic memory. One of which I think is probably listening to my podcast because he works in the same business. And I told him once like, okay, what color shirt were they wearing? And what color tie? He's like, I don't know. Like due to photographic memory, you remember like it's a photograph anyway. But I, I, I have this thing where I close my eyes to see snapshots of, of my past. So we land in Lexington. We're an eight seed taking on George Washington, a nine seed. And, we always had a police escort. I think everybody had a police escort, but I know we did because Coach Sutton was not well-liked in Lexington. A couple things. We went out to visit AP Indy. AP Indy is the champion racehorse that just died, but I think it's the most financially successful in the history of horse racing uh, in terms of stud fees. So um, uh, anyway, just, just, just passed away. I remember coach Sutton, like taking us around the farm. Said, we used to have Kentucky ballplayers work out at the farm. It was a good deal, but nothing's as good a deal as AP Indy brother. Let me tell you twice a day, every day. There's a reason that they call him a stud, right? And you're like, Oh, wow. Anyway, we stayed at a double tree. Now the way it works in the NCAA tournament is your hotel, both in proximity and quality is based upon your seating within a region. Okay, so if you have the eight seed, the one seed has the best hotel all the way down. And in Lexington, the, the hotel, which is, I think, connected to the arena, was the one seed. That's where Duke was staying. We were staying at the Doubletree, which to most of you would seem like just a very average hotel. But when you're in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and your road games are in Lawrence, Kansas, and Ames, Iowa, and outside of Austin, nowhere particularly nice. Doubletree was sweet. We got cookies when we checked in. We had these big jet tubs. And there was a, a phone right next to the jet tub. And I remember just calling all my buddies because this is before cell phones, calling all my friends in their rooms. We're like, what are you doing? I'm in my jet tub. What are you doing? I'm in my jet tub. Like that was honestly the coolest part about that trip. Oh, that. And here's one additional memory. 
that first year we beat George Washington was the first game. It was like a noon Eastern time game in, in Indianapolis. No, in, in um, Lexington, Kentucky. Noon Eastern time we played. And the cool thing was we had nothing to do the rest of the day, right? Like you're a college student. You, um, we were playing Duke, so we knew how to prepare, prepare for Duke. But I don't think Duke played right after us, or we didn't stay and watch Duke. They didn't play till the night. I don't remember exactly how it worked. But I just remember that we got done, and we didn't have anything to do the rest of the day. And there was like an Applebee's in our hotel. We had a team meal that night. So you get back to the hotel after media and everything. It's like 3.30. And you're just watching ball on TV. And I, I saw Bryce Drew hit the game winner against Ole Miss. Bunch of our guys on our team. There's some Arkansas dudes that were on that Ole Miss team. I don't know if Ansu Cisse was a uh, – Keith Carter, Ansu Cisse. Like that was a good team. Good team. Um. Anyway, I remember hitting – and that shot, that game was – actually in Oklahoma city. So I remember watching that game anyway, fast forward to losing to Duke. And we'll talk a little bit about Duke with uh, my brother. Who's, who's going to join us. Greg Gottlieb. That Duke game was phenomenal. Me and Wojo kind of got into it. They had Chris Carowell. They had uh, Chris Burgess, Battier brand. Those are all their freshmen. Rashawn McLeod was a beast, beast, uh, really hard for us. That was their first transfer. I believe they took, Anyway, we lose to Duke and we're flying back on the charter. Two or three things I remember. One, uh, our team doctor. I'm not going to, Oklahoma State people know who he is. I'm not going to sell Doc out. Anyway, I had, I can't remember even what hurt. My back, my hamstring or something. Anyway, he was like, God, only take one. And he like winks at me and gave me like, Five pills. It wasn't like Napperson. It was something that had a little kick to it. So we go to Applebee's after the game. We lose to Duke. And I knock down two of those things in a beer. I don't remember how I got to my uh, my apartment. Right? Like I, I have no recollection of the flight home at all. Or of how I got home at all. <laughs> two days later was St. Patrick's Day. And... I'm sure beating Duke would have been better, but losing to Duke wasn't a terrible thing because we almost beat Duke. We were tied with two and a half minutes to go. The place was going crazy. I'm sure everybody back home went, and we had a bunch of sophomores starting. So um, we were like local celebrities. We skipped out on a school, went to Green Eggs and Ham at Eskimo Joe's. We drank all day, and we, we, we were like conquering heroes, and we didn't win the fucking game. It was, it was crazy. Honestly, nuts. So this tournament's a lot of fun. Uh, I never got to play in a Final Four, and one thing I've learned, this is the 20-year anniversary of our Elite Eight run. Did you know they don't have reunions for Elite Eight teams? No. Final Four team, you win one more game, like, let's have a reunion. Let's welcome them back to the basketball floor. Nobody does that for an Elite Eight team, and all they did was win one more game. But that is the way it works. There's a cruel, harsh reality to it. And honestly, it's okay. It's okay. People are going to win. People are going to lose. You're going to cry. You're going to feel bad at the time, but you get over it. Just like I think we'll get over not having a tournament. Let's get to my brother, Greg, and talk some tournament memories. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What's your first memory of the NCAA tournament? Your oldest memory? Not, not, not as a coach. Your oldest, like if you like, close your eyes, what's your oldest memory? That one's easy for me. Um, my oldest memory to me is that, that sticks out is uh, North Carolina State uh, beating University of Houston on that last second. Uh, uh, I guess you could call that an alley-oop. But that was an incredible play, and and uh, it always stands stands out in my mind. If I think of NCAA tournament, uh, that one right away. Okay, no um, do you remember where like? And then Jimmy V running around the court, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't know who to hug, and he hugs yeah. everybody. Yeah. Do you remember where you were? Like, I mean, in terms of the memory, that that's the that's the memory. Do you have? Do you actually remember where you were? Like, that's what was that eighty three? So you were thirteen? No, you were eleven. Any idea where you were? I, you I don't there. remember that. I don't remember that. But you know, you remember how many times we went to uh, what, what was that sports bar we used to go to? And we used to sit there all Silky day. Silky Sullivan's. Cherry Cokes. Silky Sullivan's. That place, right? I don't know if it was Sullivan's, but there was a, some sort of sports bar, or burger place, or whatever it was. And we just Silky Sullivan's for, was in Fountain Valley. It's still there. Um, and we used that. That was one of the places we used to go. What was the place that Wendy Wendy worked at um, in Santa Monica? There was Boone? another one. Did we go to Spoons. Huh? You talking no, about spoons? No, 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 no. Wendy's our sister, by the way. If you're listening in, no. What was the sports bar that she worked at after college in Santa Monica? Yeah, I don't. I can't remember the name of it. It'll come I'll, to me I'll, have, a, I'll have a text her. Uh, I remember my first memory was I remember the Georgetown Princeton game. Okay, so Georgetown Princeton, it was on ESPN. 
and um, uh, and we were working out at the Los, uh, at the Anaheim Hilton, or at least I was working out at the Anaheim Hilton, and it was on. And we everybody stopped their workout and we were watching to see what happened. And obviously Georgetown finally won the game. That that was like the first. It like Princeton won even though they didn't win the game. That's like my like oldest. No question. Memory. That was an incredible game because it had everybody. No one thought they were they were going to compete with them, and and they had Georgetown on the ropes. Now keep in mind for people who've listened to the pod with me and you. This is going back like a year ago. Um. So you know, player walk on Drake, no NCAA tournament. Then you go to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo as an assistant. You guys just go in Division One, no tournament. Sac State, no tournament. You, you take over at San Diego State. First year you guys won, I'm going to say like six games. H- how many years in did you make it to the NCAA tournament? Five, we won five games. Actually, I was at Sac State. We won one game my first year at Sac State. Then the next year we won three. And then I went to San Diego State. We won five. So I definitely hadn't experienced a whole lot of winning. And then um, in our third year, we probably, which was our third year at San Diego State, we probably had the most talented team in, uh, in the league, but we really, it took us a while to come together. And, uh, but when we did, we were really good. We won seven out of our last eight. We lost to, uh, UNLV at UNLV on a step back three from Marcus Banks, who was a heck of a player, played in the NBA for a while, but, um, and we went to the, the tournament. And this is the craziest story about going to the tournament was uh, we, the tournament was played, the, the Mountain West tournament was played in Vegas at Thomas and Mack. Uh-huh. And uh, I think we were the four seed or something like that. Um, we, we, uh, we won our first two games, and we actually didn't have hotel rooms for the last night of the, of the tournament because our, our school didn't think we were going to be there that long. And so we actually, some of us, the coaching staff, we had to move out of the hotel and stay next door. Uh, because we didn't have rooms, and they had some other event coming in, which is really comical if you think about it. But okay, wait, 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 wait. So, so this, is, this is Steve Fisher's. This is Steve Fisher's third year, right? Third and year. You guys, yep. third year. You guys had Randy Holcomb was a transfer from uh, Fresno State. You had yep. Tony Bland, who's a stud, Melee Al Fox, who was he a walk on? Was he originally walk on? A walk on yeah, the whole a, time? He was a he was a recruited walk on. Yep. Okay, and this is by his senior year. He averaged seventeen. If anybody ever sees a picture of Al Fox, he always he always carried all his money in his sock, even during the games. So you look at any of the game photos, he still you can see there's a little wad of cash in his sock. But boy, he could get buckets. Uh, Mike McHale, uh, where was he a transfer from? Mike McHale went for he's a, uh, he was from uh, Washington D.C., but he went to Porterville Junior College. Uh, and, uh, and then DeAndre Moore. And, and then who Brandon a, Smith, too, who transferred from Michigan. And DeAndre Moore is a transfer from Vanderbilt, right? That's right, yep. And then you had you had Tuffy. Chris Walton was a sophomore on that team. Yep. You had 8th grade, who's Eric Sanders, whose nickname was 8th grade, because right, when he visited campus, didn't, didn't, didn't the guys no, give you shit? And they said, when he was a freshman, and uh, Randy Holcomb was a really talented kid, but he was a very strong personality, and he kind of intimidated everybody, you know. But uh, Eric Eric was probably 6'9", 185 pounds or something like that. But he was, he'd stick his nose in everywhere and anywhere. And and um, so Randy used to get frustrated with him, and he told him, man, you, you look like you're in eighth grade. 
and it kind of just stuck. And to this day, his nickname is Eighth Grade. Uh, uh, Tommy that, Johnson. Heck of a game. If you watch, if you go back, if they ever play that game again, we got it. We jumped on Vegas. That was the third time. Like I said, we we uh, we had lost on a step back three at their place only a week or two prior, and uh, uh, we jumped out on them. We were up twenty, I think, and they they made a run to come back. Um, but and and uh, in a critical moment during that game, Randy Holcomb, who, as I said, he was our best player, but Randy had a hard time passing. He was one of those guys to talk about himself in third person. You know, Randy, Randy going to do what Randy going to do. Randy needs his FGAs. So, uh, but in the critical moment, he he when he he penetrated and he and uh, and everybody collapsed on him and he kicked the ball to Al Fox, who drained the jumper. Um, that kind of sealed the win, and it was kind of a, it wasn't it wasn't just a game ceiling win. It just kind of signaled, like again, how he figured it out that he needed to trust his teammates, and and, uh, and so that that was an incredible moment because, like like you just said earlier, we we won five games two years prior. Um, we were zero and fourteen in the league in the Mountain West in our first year. Um, second year we were fourteen and fourteen, and then the next year we go to the NCAA tournament. So that was that was an incredible. Incredible turnaround, really. Yeah, we pl- we played you guys that first year in Oklahoma City. We're up forty to fourteen at the half, and coach comes in and he sits up on like this like desk kind of table, and he looks right at me. You you tell your brother they better get some players. They're going to get fired. And I was like, don't worry, coach. The players, dudes are on the way. They're terrible. Um, by the way, you'd lost in overtime to Vegas, so the step back three must have sent it to overtime because you lost eighty three seventy six to overtime about two weeks before. You, you also had beaten Wyoming by one point in the semis. Was that a buzzer shot? Do you remember how that game ended? You know, I don't remember, but if I recall, Wyoming was the one seed. Um, you know, and, um, you know, that's the, that's the crazy thing. You know, Wyoming struggled a little bit this year, but we played at Wyoming. I look back, and I believe 2001 and 2002, both, they won the league. Um, so that was a heck of a win for us, really. Because we didn't, okay, so we you, didn't go, uh, so you, you know, we didn't beat the the worst teams. We had to beat the best teams to to go. To yeah, the they had no, they had, they had Josh playing. Davis, Marcus Bailey, Dante Richardson, Jay Strait was a, was a freshman, right? A little guard from Chicago. Yeah, uh, they had a nice they had a nice little they had a nice little squad. Okay, so you go to the your your first ever NCAA tournament. This is two thousand two. So you're thirty years old. As a were you a full time assistant? You weren't still DOBO, right? I was a, I was the operations guy, director of operations. Okay, so it was your right fault here. in the hotel room, weren't you? I had nothing to do with that part. Nope, I wasn't in charge of travel at that time. We, the travel was done, um, I believe, by our trainer. But it wasn't our trainer's fault. It was, uh, like I said, it was the administration. I think when you go to the NCAA, even then, when you went to the conference tournament, it was kind of like your sports supervisor was in charge of it or something like that. But it wasn't me. So, right. but so it was so, incredible. And you know, before you talk about the tournament, I think that this is one thing why everybody talks about wanting to show the the, the brackets and stuff. But you know, for every program that goes to the NCAA tournament, one of the highlights is is getting your group of people together and just being able to see your name come up on the screen, your team, and it is it's a euphoric moment. Um, and I remember that one as clear as day. I mean, that was an incredible moment for, for us and our program to be a part of. Um, 
It's interesting because so, uh, so I remember. Did, I remember our first. So hold on, hold on. Well, let me uh, give me let me share mine. So in '98, right. okay, I played it at Notre Dame. We were 14 and 17. We were terrible. Transferred, sat, sat out, and then like had to watch all these games in '97. Right, so '96. I'm '96. We we all go to the Final Four in New York, and we sold our tickets. Right, and we watched we watched it in um, uh, whatever uh, Jim Ornstein's uh, de- it was it was Sports the dad bar. Sports yeah. Bar. Right, we watched the Final Four, which was Syracuse, who like three weeks before when I was at Notre Dame, we we or four weeks before on Senior Night, we're up 15 at the half, up six with the ball with a minute to go in Syracuse and choked the game away. And then we led most of the first half of the Garden, the first round of the Big East tournament, and choked the game away. Anyway, like Syracuse is like the fourth best team in the Big East. They play for national championship. That's 96. 97, um, I'm uh, sitting out, and uh, among my visits, I visited Oregon. Jerry Green was the coach. Mark Turgeon, Darren Kalish, and um, what's, the, what's Tad the, Boyle, right? the... And Tad Boyle. Those are the assistant coaches at Oregon. I visit Oregon. And it was awesome. Kyle Milling, whose son now obviously plays in Nevada. Kyle Milling, who played for dad and uh, played at Santa Barbara, transferred to Oregon. He was my host. So uh, I go up there. I, I go to uh, Oklahoma State. I'm supposed to go on Tuesday and stay all day Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday morning fly out, go to Oregon. And or- Thursday night, there's the Oregon-Arizona game. So on a Tuesday... I fly in out of Orange County, like 7 a.m. My flight's delayed. doesn't take off until like 4 in the afternoon instead of 7 in the morning. I don't get there until late at night. It's like snowy, cold. Oklahoma State's not very good. They beat Texas A&M. I, we like, we, I drink beers with Adrian Peterson. It was more about basketball than the visit. I, I go to Oregon, and Oregon beats Arizona. And Miles Simon, as you know, my oldest friend in basketball, my best friend in basketball, um, he's on that team and like he was actually warming up and I'm sitting and at the old, the, the old MacArthur court, if you're sitting, I was literally sitting in the second row of the bleachers. The players were in the first row of the bleachers and he's like warming up and he daps me up. I was like, what are you doing here? I was like, I'm on a visit. He's like, no way. Anyway, Jerry Green, and Oregon beat Arizona. They party like rock stars that night. I, I, we then, we go to the final four in Indy and I watch my best friend win the national championship, right? So it's like salt to the wound. 98, we're uh, the two seed in the Big 12. We get upset in the first Big 12 tournament game against Texas. It's Tom Pender's last win as a Texas head coach. And they had always played fast and frenetic, and they played super slow and held the ball. And, I mean, five or six crazy things go wrong. Brady Perriman hits a shot and beats us. And so we go from, like, what should have been, like, a four seed, maybe five seed, to, like, an eight seed overnight. So I remember when the brackets came out the first time, we're in our old locker room, which is the dungeon, a shithole, and pops up Oklahoma State, we're playing George Washington, Shante Rogers, and then a bunch of Russian dudes, and Mark, Mike Jarvis was the coach, and then the one seed was Duke, and it was like the air was kind of let out of the room, like we were excited to be in, but like, damn, we're an eight seed, and we finished second, the Big 12, like, no way, and then Duke was sitting there looming, it, it wasn't that much celebration, even though they hadn't been to the tournament the two years before I got there. Your first NCAA selection was, do you remember where it was with San Diego State, where you guys were sitting? We had a, we had a big room in the um, athletic department that they, uh, there was a, there's a big uh, area where they uh, did all their, you know, 
team functions or anytime we had a big athletic department meeting had and say had a giant big screen that came down and um that they were able to kind of play it and what was really cool that we did it there at san diego state but was everybody also and our all of our families were there and so you know the, the coaches wives their kids everybody was there so we had you know probably a hundred people it seemed like in the room and and uh it was an incredible moment really i mean but it was just a there's no, there's no, everybody wins that day, right? For the yes. most part, everybody wins that day. Um, and so, um, um, obviously, I remember the anticipation, and you know, you're just trying to figure out, okay, well, who, who, who are, where are we going to match up? Da 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 da. But in that, in that moment right there for us, the San Diego State, remember, we wouldn't have went to the NCAA tournament had we not won the conference tournament. So we probably weren't going to get a good seed regardless. So we just were happy to be in it. Um, and then, of course, it came up that we played University of Illinois in Chicago, which is a really good neutral site game for uh, for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> he's um, a 13, he has a 13 seed, too, which is, you know, like that's just barely in the field. You know, no I mean, question. Um, it was it a 13-4, right? Is that what it was? Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. 
smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. They have but, Frank Williams, uh, Brian I mean, Cook, Luther Head, and, and they hit... 21 of 33 threes on you. 21 of 33. What the hell were you guys doing? You know, <laughs> that's a great question. We, we, one of the things that was a staple of Steve Fisher's early in his career and something that he adjusted to later um, at San Diego State was, was uh, he was committed to doubling in the post, and we thought their guys were really, you know, like you talked about, Brian Cook, um, they had a couple of big kids that we thought we had to double in the post, and but we they, we they set a career for threes. We just kept they kept we kept doubling. They they organized and kick out and boom, and they shot the crap out of it. Obviously, um, so um, boy that that game was over almost before it started in that scenario. Um, Excuse you know, me. Let, let, me, let, me correct, let me correct myself. It was thirteen. It was thirteen of twenty-five from three. My my, my mistake. Fifty-two yeah. percent. Twenty-one of thirty-three from the field. Still uh, thirteen. Field day. Thirteen threes is a lot in any game. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, Frank Williams hit five, and Luther Head hit three, and Corey Bradford hit three. So they're starting backcourt. They're they're kind of, th- and then they 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 brought in you know Lucas Johnson hit one. Um, kind of left the wrong guys, but. Anyway, Lu, 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 the starting backcourt. I think he had a really low percentage going into that game. hadn't made a whole lot of threes either. He ended up obviously he was a really good shooter, but it, he had he hadn't proven that at that point. And his he was a freshman, I believe. And uh, yes, he had shot that year. He shot twenty nine percent from three, and made you know, and it only made like seventeen during the regular season. Actually, twenty nine percent after counting that game. So he probably was in the the mid twenties. Mid twenties. Sure. Um, you know, if you go back and look too, there was a heck of a game that came before ours. I remember we were we part of that too. You know, when you when you haven't been in a tournament too, is you know all the other things that come with it. You can get sidetracked, you know, and then you and then the nerves as well as well of playing in your first game. And I'm talking about the players just as well more than the coaches, but sometimes both. And I remember we had to wait a little bit longer too. You're waiting because I, I, I believe Creighton upset Florida in the game right yes. before, and I want to say it was an yes. overtime game. Double, double overtime. Yeah. yeah. Double yeah. overtime. I actually, I, I, remember the, I remember watching that game in studio, um, and I believe, I'm trying to think, it, uh, Kyle Corver did not hit the big shot. It was uh, Terrell, Tail, uh, Terrell, Terrell Taylor had like a career game. He had 28 points. He had a, massive, a, a three to hit, win the game. And I just remember then, watching Florida coming off the court dejected, you know, and they your, your your team's waiting in the hallways to come out, and they're walking back, and you're like looking, oh, my God, that, this is, you know, wow, Florida, as good as Florida is, and they're they're done, and, you know, you're just not used to it. But I think the more you, when you start looking at the tournament, people don't realize this maybe from the outside looking in, but there, there's no bad teams in the NCAA tournament. You know, they're all, and, and, and the teams that are even the teams that are in because they 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 got in from winning the conference tournament they're playing well right now. So um, you, despite the seeding, there isn't like when you start preparing for your opponent. There's no, there's nobody that you're going to say, oh well we we're going to beat these guys. 
I remember uh, my the first NCAA tournament game I called was Wichita State against Pitt, and um, this is you know this is going to 2013, right? This is not I've, obviously we've covered a ton. And I want to get back to all your games, but like this is the perfect example, right? So so 2013, um, I'm getting you know, getting ready to call the NCAA tournament, and it's uh, it's Pitt who I had seen a bunch. And they have Steven Adams, right? And I'm like, and he was only a freshman. And they're taking on a team in Wichita State who I had seen win their, I don't, they hadn't won their conference tournament. Whatever. So I was trying to figure out how good they were. And, you know, you start talking to coaches and it turns out it's Greg Marshall. And Greg Marshall, I had gotten to know when I was at ESPN, he kept winning league championships at Winthrop and he couldn't get, he, at one point in time, he took the College of Charleston job changed his mind, went back home, right? Um, and uh, he, he, he couldn't get out of there. So he, he kind of befriended me, befriended a couple other people in the media. And so I got to know him. Anyway, so when I, I you, you don't know who you're, who you're going to get until the Sunday right after the selection show. You, back then I was living in Orange County, working in New York City. I'd go get on a plane. And right before you get on the plane, they'd send you a text you're in the Salt Lake region. Like, all right. So you start researching like, oh, okay, I've, I've, I've seen Wichita play. But I had no idea, like zero idea about Wichita outside of, I knew they had Malcolm Armstead, who was a transfer. I didn't know anything. They had Carl Hall, who had had a heart problem. Probably shouldn't even been playing, right? So I, I watch a bunch of film and they're getting ready to take on Pitt. And I realized that, you know, Ron Baker had been hurt most of the year. Uh, this Carl Hall had been out with a heart problem. Like, they're a lot better than their record. And then I watch Pitt, and you watch Pitt practice. You only get an hour to watch them practice. But you just kind of tell in their mojo, like, they're just not, like, connected, you know? Not connected at all. And um, you talk to Jamie about any team he's ever had. And, you know, he has this way of, of painting a picture of they're really good, but something, something's amiss. Anyway, they had Trayvon Woodall, who was a senior. I'm like, well, they got a senior point guard. Lamar Patterson was their best player. So early in the game, Lamar Patterson picked up, I think, two fouls. And then he actually, uh, they're winning, and he gets called for, do you remember when the flagrant one, flagrant two, this is the first year it went in. And initially, there was no like asterisk basketball move. If you hit somebody with your elbow, you were getting a flagrant foul regardless. He goes and gets an and one, lays the basketball in with his right hand. But as he went in, his left elbow went back and hit a kid in the face. Again, just a basketball move. He gets a, a, a flagrant foul, flagrant one. That's his third personal foul. So they wipe the basket off. That's two points. They make the two flagrant shots. That's two points. It's a four-point turnaround. And the best player for Pitt ends up sitting out, right? Um, the game became a laugher after that. Like, Wichita kicked the shit out of him. Trayvon Woodall was like, one for 12 is a terrible game. Um, you know, again, Steven Adams was a monster, but they almost never threw him the ball, and that was like one of the things you could see like in practice when they talk about it. Like, they all kind of thought he was a goof, and he's too young. Meanwhile, like, here I am falling in love with Clee Anthony Early, um, yeah. who's, you know, who dominated and Mar- Malcolm Armstead. And I'm like, dude, and Ron Baker didn't even play well. And they win by 15 going away. Was there a play? Maybe not that game. 
Was there, because I still think, maybe I'm crazy, like the, the very next game when Wichita beat Gonzaga, people forget that uh, Gary Bell got hurt in that game, barely played. Sure. And, and, and Gonzaga was the one seed and almost lost to Southern. Southern was tied. This is the second game I've called in the NCAA tournament. It's me and Spiro Ditas, and we're in Salt Lake City, and the Southern band is awesome. Like, they, they sound different. They feel, they, they take over the whole arena. We're like, man, who gives a shit if they can play? Southern band is awesome. And the coach is cool. And anyway, they're like leading with four minutes and change to go. And Spiro and I are like, oh my God, we're going to call the first 16-1 upset ever. We can't, we're freaking out. And Gonzaga survives. Well, Gary Bell got hurt at the start of the next game. And Wichita ends up beating him. They hit a bunch of threes and, and, and they beat him. Was there, can you think of a moment in it? Because you only won one. How many NCAA tournament games you played in? Uh, I'm going to say five just off the top of my head, but that, I might be wrong, maybe six. But um, but the only one we won was, uh, was uh, beating Louisville in, uh, I guess that's 2008, no, 2009, we beat Louisville by 20, which was a heck of a win. Uh, but like the Indiana game, when you, when you were at San Diego State, what year did you play in Indiana? That would have been 2006. 2006, and we were up 10 in the second half with what we thought was full control of the game. Uh, was there, was there, there, was a, was a, was there a play the where it got away from yeah. you? Well, we, yeah, we were we were up one with under a minute to go, and uh, it may have been less, you know, under 30 seconds. I can't remember off the top of my head, but all we had to do was get one stop. Uh, we had to get one stop, and, and uh, they, the, their shot clock was kind of running down, and they threw a skip pass from the from the kind of the wing to the top, and arguably our best player, Marcus Slaughter, um, to the pass, and he thought he he deflected it towards our basket, and the ball kind of just had a weird spin, and we straight up in the air and kind of went, went behind him, and ended up going right back to. Um, really, their best shooter. He turned around and banged a three. Uh, and Robert really, Vaden? Marcus is six. Yeah, Vaden. If, if if Marcus just lets the ball go through and and doesn't go for the steal and and it arrives on the catch, uh, Robert Vaden doesn't get the shot off, um, and we win the game. And we win the game. But uh, um, you know that 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 was a critical moment, and those are the kind of moments you never forget, too, right? So. No, not at all. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't forget. I, like, I remember, uh, and I know we're bouncing back in time for, for people. In 98, our second game, we played Duke. And uh, it's a hard, hard-fought game. Me and Wojo got into it, right? They have, they have Burgess, Brandon, Battier, they're freshmen. They were a good Duke team. We were, we were much better than our seeding. Um, and we had, um, we had older, for, for a team that had, was picked last in the Big 12, I mean, it was a joke that people didn't understand. We had Destin Mason, who obviously was a 10-year pro, and we had Brett Robish, who was a uh, fifth-year senior, transferred from Illinois. His dad was a pro, and he played a long time overseas. He's a stud. You know, we had Adrian Peterson, who was probably the second, to Paul Pierce, the second-best wing in the Big 12 that year. Me, Joe Atkins, we had, we had, we had a really good team. We are tied with two and a half minutes to go in Lexington. And I'm coming up the court, and everybody's on their feet. <sighs> and Coach Sutton didn't really, he, he didn't really call plays. Like, Sean would call the plays. And he's doing something with his arms, like taking them in and, and making them out, almost like flapping wings. 
And he's yelling. I can't hear him. What the f- I can't hear what he's saying. And my second NCAA tournament game, I'm a little scared of the dude. Maybe a little tight. So I just call a 20-second timeout. Hey, coach, I know what you're calling. I can't hear. Can't hear you. And I had, and, and honestly, I had been on them all year. Like, can't we have, because one of the things that John McLeod had, and her name was, he would have a hand signal for every play, for everything you did. And he would do this weird shit where he'd like cover it up with his jacket, like somebody from the stands is watching. He'd like open up his jacket pocket and, and put a two out there. It was almost like a baseball catcher. Start whistling. And he give you the, well, the sign. Well, he want to make sure that when you're watching on film, you can't pick up the sign. No, I, I understand. I understand. He'd yeah. X down, my, one of my favorite plays, he would like do a no looker and cross his index and, middle, index and middle finger and look the other way and whistle, whistle. Anyway, so I was on coach and Sean like, hey, can we have like, just tell me what you, like, otherwise I'm going to run what I want to run. And like, no, 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 we want We want you to do what we want you to do. Like, okay, give me a hand signal because it's loud. It's loud. And we, they, I never got a hand signal. Anyway, so I call a timeout, and Coach's like, I was just telling you to spread out, and you call our last timeout. I was like, sorry. Shit, man. I, I couldn't hear you. My bad. Anyway, we come out of the timeout, and we run uh, Cowboy Fade. Now, Michigan State runs the same play. Cowboy is, it's, it's Cowboy Series. is It's the old kind of 2-1-2, hit the guy in the middle, the two guards cut, the wings, we put the bigs out wide, and they go dual pin downs. Michigan State runs it. They always cross those guys. But the, the fade, which is like a double flare, right, where the guards cut like they're cutting hard towards the basket and the big guys set dueling flare screens. And a lot of times you get the slip or if they chase over the top, you'll get a lob. So they chased over the top on Adrian Peterson and I throw it and he catches it and he's going towards the basket. And I don't know if Rashawn McLeod was closing or Battier was cl- – I can't remember. But shit, he, he did not – he should have just gone up and dunked it you know, or tried to draw contact and he kind of tried to shoot a floater and he missed it. I'm like, oh shit. Like that was our, that was our moment. Tie game. We'd fought back playing against Duke and he kind of shot a floater. They come down, they throw it into Rashawn McLeod and he just, and we were post Dublin. He just went too quick. He was too, too, too good a post player for, for designation to guard. Um, we come down, we run another play for Pete and it was kind of the same thing. It was called a Russian which is just, it's like an old in, inside triangle. And, uh, you know, like I catch on a wing. We put Atkins in the strong side corner, so there's no weak side help. Peterson's the strong side block. He screens away and then comes off a pin down. And, you know, he's a, he, 17 feet in, curling off a pin down. He's fucking money. And it goes in and out, right? So, like, you remember those individual plays more so than anything else on how you, how you lost a game. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. 
Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Uh, All right, so let's go to um, how was Monty, who had had a ton of tournament experience, and Fisher, who'd had a ton of tournament experience, what were they like in getting ready for these games? Um, I think they they both had, like you said, tremendous amount of experience. I mean, no one had a no one has a better uh, NCAA tournament um, story than Steve Fisher, right? You go from being the, the assistant who gets named the interim head coach, and then you win six and win the national title. I mean, that's an incredible story. I don't know if you can you can't write that. Um, if you did, you wouldn't believe it, and then and then it'll never probably happen again. But uh, so that was pretty amazing stories. But uh, I think in for him, the thing that he was so good was trying to keep everybody level headed and be prepared. Um, I think the thing with Mike, Mike was just an incredible pre- preparation guy in terms of uh, really, really doing a, a thorough job, and then and and uh, he was probably more creative defensively, where Steve Fisher is more creative offensively. Um, and, and, uh, you know, our, our, uh, first, our first, actually our first NCAA tournament, uh, that we went to with, with Mike Montgomery, we lost to Maryland, but the second year we played Louisville and, uh, they had a really good low post guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but they were, they were really, really good low post guy. And we decided not only to double him, but we had our four man guard him and then we doubled with our center. And uh, we had a seven foot three kid from from China, Max Zhang, and it, that was that that really won the game for us. We just eliminated them, and they weren't they weren't prepared for the double because we had doubled all year, and uh, we ended up beating Louisville by twenty. And really, that was that was um, that was all Mike right there. That was incredible um, in terms of preparation. 
But just like you said, I think one of the pe- things people don't realize, a big part of winning in the tournament is your seed. You know, and uh, so you get, we had the same problem you guys had, was we were, we won the conference that year, first time in 50 years at Cal, and, but the conference uh, reputation wasn't very strong, and so we, we got an eight seed. I think we were either eight or nine, we played Louisville. And then we had to play Duke, who was the one seed, and they might have been the number one overall seed, but they ended up winning the national title, so everybody lost to them. And um, uh, as you know, when you play against Duke in the NCAA tournament, too, that as much of a reputation as Mike Montgomery had, uh, it's hard to trump uh, Mike Krzyzewski. And, uh, you know, we, I think we were like three minutes into the game, and one of our best players, Patrick Christopher, got he got fouled so hard, which they didn't call it, but he got knocked out so hard that he had to go to the locker room with stitches, and there was no foul. So, um you know, that was, that was an interesting game in itself. Um, I, I remember what you told me about that Duke team, and it's funny. Um, people to this day, you know, Dukies to this day, early in the season that year, I don't know if you remember, they Duke played in the, I think it was the, the preseason NIT. And I was on at halftime with Jay Williams, and Arizona State was cutting them up. Cutting them up. Now, they end up coming back to win the game, but Arizona State was cutting them up. And they were running Princeton, right? And I said, man, Duke looks alarmingly unathletic. Now, uh, we, it was more of a discussion about Mason Plumley, who was a freshman, and the, the athleticism he brought to the table. And it's interesting to me because what's lost in that discussion is about midseason for that Duke team, uh, I think they lost to Georgetown like in January. And they... They completely changed their style of defense. They went to more pack line, and they also started playing Brian Zubek, who became the best rebounder in college basketball. And so there are two things. One, something you told me about Kyle Singler. You're like, man, I don't know how good Duke is, but Kyle Singler is one tough SOB. And, and you, the, your line, which is a good one, which was when your best player is your toughest player, you're going to have yourself a hell of a team. And that was, that was Duke. But you know what? I think that was one of those things for me that year. I remember that Kyle Singler was one of those guys that the uh, was kind of a darling for the, with the media in general. Everybody talked about Kyle Singler. So you know, when you're not paying attention, you're like, well, you know, he just gets all that attention because he's a Duke, et cetera, et cetera. But then when you start preparing for him, you really and watching close, you really um, he, he earned a, a tremendous amount of respect and admiration by the way he played. I mean, he was tough. They'd post him up. He, he'd come off screens. Everybody's trying to, to face guard him and keep him from getting the ball, and he just would not allow that. I, you know, I, I love the way he played. He had tremendous moxie. Uh, but like you said, uh, Zubek really was a huge factor, especially in the NCAA tournament. He developed into a low post scorer. Not, Duke doesn't really traditionally throw the ball to their post that much. They were going to him hard. Um, in the NCAA tournament, and, and uh, what he was doing a great job of was getting the ball deep. And the other thing they did a phenomenal job on with that team was on any of their offensive rebounds, they couldn't get the ball. Um, if they weren't facing the basket, they did a great right, job throw about, throw of out for that three. thing out for threes. Yeah, yeah and they got and, that, uh, and, and they, that, I, that idea was, I mean, they had kind of done that some, but that was the Davidson thing. Like Davidson, they, remember when they went to the Elite Eight, they, would, they called them daggers, and they practiced it. Every day in practice, which was you get an offensive rebound, you kick out because it's just you, you, nobody tracks shooters. 
And that was one of those. They were, if you look statistically, that Duke team was the best offensive rebounding team in the country. Zubek was a great offensive rebounder. Even when they beat Butler in the national championship, they only hit five threes, but Zubek had six offensive boards in that game. Um, but that was their thing. They, they, they changed the way they played because Duke had always climbed into you defensively, super hard hedge, up in the passing lanes. And that team, you had John Shire. He wasn't doing that. Kyle Singler, he wasn't doing that. Lance Thomas was like an energizer bunny, but he was a big. You know, Zubek, so they, they actually were not a crazy athletic team in terms of the ranginess of other Duke teams, but they found a way to figure it out and, and played to their strengths. You know what, too, I think, um, and you're right, I think the other thing that people don't recognize as well from the outside looking in, again, we were in 8C. We went to the tournament the year before we lost in the first round to Maryland. But we didn't have the experience of being in the tournament like Duke had. And, and so, again, you know, we, we, we beat Louisville by 20. That was a phenomenal moment for our program at that time, whereas if you're Duke and you win your first-round game, all right, now let's go get ready for the second game. And so... And I'm talking about just everybody, your coaches, your players, all those guys. You know, you 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 now have to get refocused. There's and it's it's an incredible uh, thing. The further you go, to still be playing, and other people are are going home or done, and then the magnitude of all the, the media coverage around each game only grows. And so, you know, that day in between, making sure again, you got to now get your guys. You got. You got forty-eight hours to prepare for an opponent that you've never seen before. And really, um, now all of a sudden, it's you know, you, you, you know, it's different. Like when you're playing in your league, you know so much about your other team, you know how to prepare some of the main things you, that you do. You're not able to do well, now. It's like all of a sudden, you know, you're almost playing people straight up. Um, in in that you you got a chance maybe with a short prep to do, take away one or two things, but you're not even going to know what everybody you know what they really are trying to do. Um, and so that makes it really hard to prepare for. But again, the experience factor for a team who's been there and expects to win um, really is important. So that's a, that's what makes it even more amazing for a team like Wichita State, like you said, to win those first couple of games the first time they did it. Yeah, yeah. And then they then they uh, then they got uh, it wasn't Drake it was LaSalle I think in the Sweet Sixteen, and then they played uh, Ohio State and went to the. Uh, and they went to the the, the final four. That was a, that was a great basketball turned out. And then what's but, interesting, again, I mean, like, great like Marshall- you just said that, like I mean, how many people? But we beat LaSalle to go to the Elite Eight. I mean, like you know, yeah. so, uh, everyone kind of needs. Oh, that happened to us. For Look. those upsets to happen, you have to. You, there has to be a couple of those, right? Where you? No, listen, we, we had you guys. Yeah, my senior year. So we played Hofstra, Speedy Claxton. I got in foul trouble. I barely played. It was you know they were he he, he got superstar whistle or whatever. Uh, we we smacked them, Jay Wright's team, by like 40. Um, and then we played Pepperdine because Pepperdine, that was Bob Knight's last game in Indiana. Pepperdine smacked Indiana, smacked them. And I remember you talk about a team walking dejected off the floor. I remember we, we, beat, uh, we beat Hofstra and we did the press thing or whatever. And then um, we were in the hallway and I, I knew some of those Pepperdine guys. And they're getting ready to go out. And they just had this look in their eye like, we're going to kick the shit out of them. And they did. I mean, it was like it was a it was a no doubter, a no doubter. But so we played Pepperdine, and you know they played fast and ran like a one three one zone. We just carved them up, and so we didn't really. First two games weren't really that great. And then when we played Seton Hall, um, Shaheen Holloway got hurt in the second round against I think it was 
they beat Temple, who uh, Temple was the two seed. We were the three seed, right? So they upset Temple. So we got Seton Hall, and we got Seton Hall without their best player. And Ty Shine had played great against Temple because they had no scouting report on him, but we had like a week to prepare for him. So and we, uh, we led tip to finish. We won by one, but it was a three that went in the buzzer or whatever. This is what's interesting about having – you talk about a veteran team. I tweeted this out today. We're playing the Sweet 16. And we're playing Seton Hall. And they were switching between man-to-man and playing two in the paint. Literally playing like instead of a diamond one or a triangle and two, they were not guarding me and one other, one other guy. And we uh, were, at, were at, uh, at the free throw line. And I was like, hey, let's run Cyclone. And Cyclone was just ball screen on one side, double back screen, the big guy rolling. And then... Uh, you kind of flip those screens, and the last screener is the shooter, and he comes out kind of the weak side, and I, I can throw a skip pass to him. We had, we had not run the play the entire season. So even if they had scouted it leading up to the Sweet 16, it was not in our bag. It was from the year before. And we'd run it to death. We stole it from Iowa State. We ran it my sophomore year, my junior year. But, like, this is what a veteran team could do. We're like, hey, we're going to run Cyclone. Coach was like, okay. And we got, like, three layups off it. We ran the same inbounds play against them. That we, again, we hadn't run all year, but we had run a couple years before. And that was where we got almost all of our points. Um, we nearly choked the thing away, our good free throw shooters missing free throws. But still, that's the, kind of the ability with a veteran team. And my senior year, we had three fifth years, three fifth years, maybe even four. I guess four fifth years. Holy shit, we had an old ass team. Uh, me, Glenn Alexander, Brian Montanati. Am I forgetting somebody else? Uh, the, uh, us three. That's three fifth years. And then we had. Joe Atkins, a fourth-year senior. Desmond Mason, a fourth-year senior. Somebody, Alex Weber, a fourth-year senior. And then one sophomore, Fred Janssen. We had an old-ass team. And, and we got the benefit. And then we were supposed to play Duke with Jay Williams as a freshman, I think. And they got upset by Florida. And we're like, but, but here's the crazy part. Um, one of Florida's assistants had come to our practices mid-year because he had played for Coach Sutton. And um, uh, what's the guy's name? He was the head coach at Arkansas. What, why, am I, why am I spacing on his name? He played at Kentucky. Shit. Yeah, you're talking um, about um, Sean's best friend. Yes. He'd come to practice. Someone. Came yeah. to practice. And, 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 here's, and look, I think Coach Sutton's a great coach, but he kind of overthought it where we spent the day before working on like press breaks and we took off our secondary break, which is what we scored on, all of our stuff on. And I was like, Coach, give me the ball. I'll break your press. You don't like you're wasting your time. And we got so kind of discombobulated early. They were really talented. We got down, I think, thirteen. Came back, tied the game, and then they boat raced us. And that was my last college game. So it does it, it goes it goes fast. All right, last thing because we, we 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 got to wrap. Um, no NCAA tournament this year for you. Obviously, play coached in one at Oregon State, coaching a couple at at Cal, coaching a couple at. At San Diego State, um, give me your favorite NCAA tournament as a coach memory. Is it the win over Louisville? Is it, or it's something off the court? Go. Well, first, I'm going to give you my worst, and then I'm going to give you my favorite. Sorry, I'm jumping in here because I think this is important for me. But uh, uh, one year, we we lost our last two games at Cal where we would have won the league, we finished second. And if you recall, the first-place team, Washington, didn't go to the NCAA tournament, which is unheard of, right? Pac-12 champion doesn't go to the tournament. 
and Colorado won the league, so they got they got a bid. And we go and meet, and like we were talking about, the normal euphoria where everybody's in the room, they call your name. And I just always remember this um, as clear as day, but we're all sitting there in, in, their, in our room with our whole team, and everybody's getting ready, every, you know, hoping our name should be called. We should have been an at-large. And, and they announced our, na- our team name in the play-in game. And uh, we were playing South Florida in the playing game, and uh, you could have heard a pin drop. Uh, and I'll tell you what, that was the precursor to knowing we just were not, our guys were not excited about being in that game. And, you know, people always talk about the playing game, the, the, you know, the, those games in Dayton, which, by the way, are incredible once we got there. I mean, it was incredible. Um, Dayton does a phenomenal job, but that the first four thing, a lot of it is determined by your guys' mentality, similar to when people go to the NIT. And, I mean, we just got boat raced by South Florida, which was a good team, and I believe they went, I'm not sure they go to the Sweet 16 or they lose in the round of 32, but they they won more than one game. But they just, they were ready to play. They took it to us. And, boy, that was uh, was a uh, miserable experience and disappointing, I guess, probably more than anything. But, um, I just remember you could have heard a pin drop in that one. Um, if I were to flip that around, definitely I'd have to say I'd have to say um, beating Louisville by twenty. I mean, you know, you're talking about not just winning a tournament game, but beating a program with with history like Louisville, beating a, um, a, a team that was coached by Rick Pitino, you know, and then beating them soundly in, in the way we did it. That was definitely uh, an incredible moment for us. Um, so that, that, and then probably really at Oregon State, I think that would, you'd have to, I'd have to put that right up there. And I think the thing that was different with Oregon State was, you know, we had, uh, us, uh, I think Northwestern was the only program that hadn't gone to the tournament at that point, And we had the, the longest drought after Northwestern of 25 years of not going to the NCAA tournament. And so for us in year two to go to the NCAA tournament, um, it it was incredible around here in Corvallis and what we did and and what, the thing that was really cool I, I I felt like it was that was that we represented all the coaches and players that came before us for the last twenty five years when when uh, we got ourselves into the NCAA tournament that, that that's the the amount of pride that we had as a group and what we felt like we were playing for and, and um, we lost to VCU in a in a in a close game. Um, we just couldn't get over the hump, but boy, the amount of pride we had for just even getting there was was incredible. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much for joining me. You got it. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. All right, that's it for this edition of All Ball. We'll have more. We'll have more. Don't forget to listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific, on your iHeartRadio app, Fox Sports Radio. If you're streaming, you're working at home now, foxsportsradio.com. You can check me every day. Um, There's also a podcast version of it. And within that podcast version of it, I got a great interview with Bill Self. You're going to love. We don't repurpose that on the All Ball podcast. I think there's some legalities with it or whatever. Anyway, download that. It's really, really good. In the meantime, sorry you're missing hoops. Thank you so much for downloading. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Turns out, a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today.